this is our announcement video, okay? Where we where we do announcements. So hey, guys, coming up this Wednesday is our jam night. We're inviting all of our musicians to come and to play. Vocalists, singers, uh, whether or not you sing on key, you're welcome to come. But hey, just come on and join us. That's this Wednesday at 6:30 p.m. I'll have chord charts provided. Uh, there's even some egg shakers if you have, you know, hopefully you have some rhythm and can can you know do this on rhythm. So anyway. That's this Wednesday. Also coming up is our family fun night. That's August 3rd. We start that at 5.30. Uh, we, it takes a lot of volunteers to make that event successful. So I would encourage all of you to sign up. Do it. Okay. I'm, I'm actually ordering you to vol. I'm, I'm not ordering you. Okay. Kurt's giving me the eyes. You're not forced to, but do it. Okay. Also, late August. Uh, August 26th, it's the Friday evening, 6.30. We're showing the movie The Bad Guys from DreamWorks Animation. Uh, the big bad wolf leads uh, other animals. They're bad guys trying to be good guys. I think that's the premise of the movie. It'll be good, family movie night. Yes, fun as well. Free popcorn, free screen, sound is good. So be there. Keep downloading the app. Get ready to do the woo, and let's get ready for church. Guys, Kimberly, you ready? Kurt, Dan, three, two, one, woo! Hi, everybody online. Welcome. We're glad you're with us. We're getting ready to jump in here. And uh, worship was great earlier. It'd be even better with you. And uh, and then we're into the second part of our series called The Fight. We're talking about the spiritual battle. So get your Bibles, get a coffee, whatever you need to get comfortable, and get ready to go because it's time. Woo! Good morning, everyone. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. Doug and I and Pastor Steve and Pastor Alice were traveling this week, so it, it felt like it was even longer than a week. So we're super extra happy to see you all. Super extra? Su- super too duper much? extra. Super duper extra. But we're also super duper glad to be back home because yes. there's no place like home, right? No, there's Lord no Keith. mattress like your own mattress. That's right. <laughs> Has anybody ever had, like, a really good mattress at an Airbnb? Because I never have. No, there was that I, one when we evacuated for Irma. I that, slept like a baby. Okay. I, I don't remember it being. But I'm glad you were comfortable. Yeah, I don't think you remember much about that. No. Anyways, no, that, that period stop of time derailing is, me. I was welcoming there. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're glad you're here. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. Attempt being the keyword. We're going to ask Chaplain Doug to lead us through communion in just a minute. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time and the word with Pastor Steve. We are just getting going in our second of our series, The Fight. And it's been really, really good. I'm excited for us all to dig deep into that. But before we begin, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we're here for you today. We're so grateful that we can gather corporately to worship, to learn, to celebrate you. Papa, as we continue to lean into these truths that you have for us, would you keep our hearts soft 
and our ears open. We want to be changed by your word so that we can reflect you back into the world around us. So Papa, help us to draw closer to you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things that surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship together, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst here this morning. We'll see the words pop up on the screen so it's easy to sing along with. You guys are welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. We praise you, Lord.
sounds like we praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. We'll think
presence, God. You're so good to us, Lord. We love you. We worship you. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts to you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our precious children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning. Hey. I got here first. (laughs) Second, yeah. All right, guys. So today's true story comes to us from the second book of Samuel. And now David is king. Can you guys hear me? Good. David is king and it's springtime. It's time when the king should go to war with his soldiers, right? But this time David decides that he's not going to go. He's going to stay home. So he sent his commander to go and take the army with, with him to go lead them out, right? So then one day David is walking on the roof of his castle and he sees someone, this beautiful woman. Yeah, her name is Bathsheba, and Bathsheba was married to this man named Uriah, but David wanted Bathsheba to be his wife, so David comes up with a plan, right, and this plan, in this plan, he tells his commander of the army, the leader of the army, to send Uriah, the soldier, right, to the hardest, most dangerous part of the battle, Because he wants Uriah to die, right? And his plan succeeds in that Uriah goes and fights in the most dangerous part of it. And he dies. And David takes Bathsheba to his home, right? But guess what, guys? God saw what David did. And he sent Nathan, the prophet, to go talk to David. When Nathan arrived, he told David a story. He said, in this town, there was a rich ruler who had a lot of sheep and a lot of cattle. And then there was a poor man who only had one sheep. And he took care of the sheep and he fed the sheep and he loved the sheep like he was his his own child because that's all he had. Then a traveler came, right? And he stayed with the rich ruler, And the rich ruler wanted to feed him. So guess what the rich ruler did? 
he went to the house of the poor man and he took his one and only sheep from him. When David heard this, 2 Samuel 12, 5 tells us that David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die, right? And Nathan looked David and said, David, you are that man. God had given everything to David. He lived in a beautiful castle. He had a lot of things, right? He had a wife and everything, right? But he he still decided to take what wasn't his, right? And David realized that he had sinned against God. Sin dishonors God. It hurts us and it hurts others, right? But guess what, guys? When we sin, God forgives us because Jesus paid for the punishment that our sins deserve by dying on the cross. And when we are friends with Jesus, he changes our hearts. Did you know that? Yeah, so that we no longer want to sin. Isn't that amazing? I know, so good. All right, good job. Now we're going to do the Bible verse together. Are you guys ready? You repeat after me, okay? 2 Samuel 12, 5. 2 Samuel 12, 5. Good job. David was furious. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives. As surely as the Lord lives. He vowed. He vowed. Any man. Any man. Who would do such a thing. Deserves to die. Good job, boys and girls. Good job. Look at this kitty. Good job, boys and girls. Okay, Miss Cameron is passing out the stickers because God rewards us when we come to Him, right, Nathan? Okay, good job. All right, boys and girls, so now we're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes because we're getting ready to talk to the Lord. Are you guys ready? All right. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord God, for everything that you have given us, Lord. Help us to be content and happy with what you've given us, God. And thank you, Lord God, for that reminder that you forgive our sins, Lord. I pray that the little ones will know, Lord God, that there's nothing that can separate them from you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Have fun, kids. Children's Church. Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Welcome to the vineyard. Mm, Good coffee. We use uh, coffee from babies, coffee down the road. And we, we buy the beans and we grind it here fresh for you guys because I like coffee. But I have to be careful how I say it because one day I said, we got babies out in the coffee pots and people freaked out. <clears throat> Non-coffee drinkers in the Keys or visitors were like, what? So, if you, yeah, I've explained it now, right? Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Glad to have you here. I've walked out of the shot. I should do that. And uh, good. 
Oh, that was a kid's verse. Oh, I know what happened. I didn't push enough times. I do. Well, it's one job, but I had to do it twice. And I did it once. And now we're okay. So, here we go. There you go. That QR code, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, if you were to point your smart device at that with a camera on, a link will appear. Amazing. And uh, press that link. It takes you to our digital connect card where you would be asked to give us your name, phone number, email address. We would love for you to fill that out. Please know if you do, you will get a series of texts and emails, I think for five weeks, maybe six weeks. But uh, we'll tell you about the church. We'll ask you some questions. It's all. It's all good stuff. Also, there's a gift for all first-time guests back at guest services. And if you didn't get a gift on your way in, stop by on your way out and pick up your first-time guest gift. Good. We pray for our neighbors here. It's something we do corporately every week because we value prayer. We pray a lot while we're here. And this is one area that uh, I want to make sure everyone is engaging in. So I encourage you, pray. Every time you go in and out of your neighborhoods or in and out of your house, pray for your neighbors. Just kind of think about it. Not to be long drawn out. Just lift them up to God and ask God to move in their lives. And then when we gather, we do that corporately to reinforce all of that. So if you would, think about a couple of your neighbors. I, I always say get them in your mind's eye. Kind of, kind of think about who they are. And let's go to the Lord. Papa, we pray for our neighbors. We lift them up to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways and that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I honestly believe that prayer and you guys praying all week is what will spark hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Jesus here and wherever you are watching, in your neighborhoods. That's prayer is the basis of everything. It's the most important thing. So pray, pray, pray some more, and then pray. We are continuing on in a series called The Fight. This is about spiritual battle. And I do want to say, this first two weeks, I'm having to lay down quite a bit of theological foundation and so I, I'm, I'm hoping you'll hang with me. I think it will be worth it. Because we'll move from here. It's going to pick up a lot starting next week. We'll do the fall. We'll do the flood. We'll do the Tower of Babel. And then from there, we'll pop into Israel, the one nation that God keeps, and from whom all other nations can be reconciled to God. And out of Israel, we get Jesus, and we know what he does. And once you have sort of that information... Then when you engage in spiritual battle, it will begin to really sort of make sense, if you would. But you have to have that big picture in there, or else we don't know. Who are the powers and principalities and rulers that Paul's talking about, and why are they there, and how did they get there, and what does this look like, and how important is spiritual battle? And I would say that spiritual battle is probably the most important way that we love our neighbors well, because we're battling on their behalf a lot of times. And so they're not the target. They're not the problem. It's what's going on behind that. And until we engage in that, we often will step back and make neighbors the problem when they're not. And so I think it's huge that we get this. And also, it was very important we did the fruit of the Spirit first. We did on purpose because I want you to engage in spiritual battle with fruit of the Spirit on your 
on your mind and on your thoughts, knowing the Holy Spirit is here and that he's developing in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Engaging in battle that way helps us stay where we need to be, soft, humble, all those things, right? Okay, so let's do jokes. Thank you for your... Thank you for your encouragement. Spent thirty years. This first, years. this first one came from Pastor Billy this week, who's sitting over there. So you know where your frustration should go. This is what he texted. What do you call it when a pig sneaks up on you? Hambush. Not to be, not to be confused with ambush, but. Ambush. Yes. Move along. I think I enunciated clearly. Yeah, I was just adding to the joke. <laughs> the, yeah. the H is always important, you know. In the scripture, it was Abram, and then it was Abram. And Sarah, Ham. and Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. H. Okay, move along. Okay. That's another message. Yeah. We were gone this week. We were at a conference, so we had to eat out a lot. We had just finished eating at a restaurant, and the waiter came up and said, Do you want a box for your leftovers? And I said, no, but I will arm wrestle you for them. Them leftovers are prized things, dude. I'm not going to box over them. I'll just order another one. But, you know. <laughs> hey, for all you um, Last one. chemists out there. Want to hear a potassium joke? Okay. Ta-da. Ta-da. Good job. Good job. We did have a really good week. We were only in Cape Coral, so we drove, and I got to take my two oldest grandkids with me, and they swam and had fun and went to youth group, and it was a great week. And one afternoon, you know, sometimes Nanas get tired, right? And I was resting, and Steve took and Doug took the kids to Target, which is one of my favorite places. That's how you know how tired I was. Anyway... He took my granddaughter, Avery, to Target so she could spend her money. <laughs> oh, ask him about the story. Nothing like a granddad and a, 12, and a 10-year-old shopping at Target, right? Just picture the ramifications. He said, I took her around the store twice. I picked out lovely things for yes, her, none of which she liked. No, no, she didn't want any. And then she kept rolling her eyes at me. What's that all about? She's yeah, 10. My daughter, she like she's not here yet, but my daughter, all of a sudden when she was two, did that hand on the hip, and I'm like, where is that coming from? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's press into Papa, shall we, before we read the word? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all who have gathered here this morning to worship you and to study your word. Papa, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us today, that you would enlighten our minds to hear what we need to hear. And Papa, bless this week, whether we're on land or on water or on the highways. Father, keep us safe, keep us humble, and keep us kind. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Psalms, and this is Psalm 89, verses 5 through 8. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? 
who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings. In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. I love that passage. Your faithfulness surrounds you. Not that many weeks ago, when we were in the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about faithfulness. And God is so faithful, it's in the attribute he gives us, that his faithfulness actually surrounds him. And I love that picture. And there's a lot going on in those uh, verses, so we'll get back to them here in a moment. So, we were away on a conference, and uh, Alice said we took... We took two of our older grandkids, and then Doug and Kim brought their two boys, so there was four of us. And so, I, I don't know, maybe you know this, I'm fairly set in my ways at this point. <laughs> really? And I, I sort of like an early bedtime. I know it, it ages me, but I like to go to bed. I'm up really early. I'm up at 3.34 every morning. So I go to bed at a reasonable time, 8-ish at night. And I'm done. I'm ready to go to bed. No good things happen at night. I don't care. But that just comes from age. Anyway. So we'd go to these conferences, and they'd go till 9.30-ish, which was fine. You know, I can still do it. It's just not my choice. And uh, and then after 9, you know, 9.30, and we had to drive back to the Airbnb we were staying. I'd be 10 o'clock, and I'm exhausted. And then the grandkids, I don't know where they get this kind of energy. They're like, let's play board games. I just want you to know the face when that's asked, because you don't want to, you've got to try and muscle up for your kids where you can. Here's the face. That's the face that says, I'm going to try and stay awake and do this, but board games at 10 o'clock should be outlawed. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about spiritual battle. As I said, I have to do these couple of weeks of foundation, so hang with me. It's going to open up starting next week, talk about the fall, then we're going to talk about the flood the week after that, because there's so much stuff going on there. And then we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. Okay, so, and then from there, it's just cool. And then, ultimately, this series is going to the armor of God. That's really what I, I felt like we needed to do. But I've, people have so many questions um, that, that never seem to get answered well that I wanted to back way up. That's why we were in Genesis 1-1. And start from there and lay out why there's a battle, why there's evil, what happened, what's going on. Who are these powers and principality? Where do they come from? And that sometimes we're, we may not think of them in the way that we need to to really engage in battle the way that we're called to. So last week, uh, I, I started, and there were four things that I talked about. We're going to talk about the Elohim again in a minute, but four things uh, that I talked about, and just quickly, quickly reviewing now. Cosmology. Remember Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I said, that's kind of a heading of what's going to come over the next you know, couple of chapters. And um, but when we read that, we have a way of reading that, and I, I needed to step us back from it, because we have a cosmology, which is an under, our understanding of the creation of the world or the order of the universe. Each one of us here has our own cosmology. Uh, that's a, a compound word, which means, you know, basically order of the world, all right? And the problem is, when we read the Bible, we often read it 
with our own cosmology, our own worldview, our own cultural sort of understanding, and we try and force that onto the text. And it makes the Bible say things that the Bible isn't saying. And you have to convince yourself that you need to read the Bible uh, the way uh, it was written and in the mindset of the people it was written to. So the, the first part of this that we're looking at back in Genesis was written about 3,500 years ago. People then had a different way of looking at things, much different than ours. It doesn't mean that they weren't as smart as we are. They, they probably know a bunch of stuff we don't know. We have access to other information. We have it. So we're going to see it different. But we have to make ourselves go back and try and read it in the way they would read it. And so they had a cosmology. And when you read heavens and earth, instead of thinking, which I think many of us do, we think heaven, and we're almost always thinking of millions of miles away, distant place, maybe where we go, where, where God is, and he's disconnected, he's way out there. And then we read earth, and we think about the pictures of the planet that we've all seen sort of spinning, and that's earth. And we read that as we go. That's not how they would have read it. And basically what I've asked you to do is, as you're reading it for this part of our study, just think of it as heavens and earth as sort of two realms, if you would. There's a, a, a heavenly realm and an earthly realm, a divine space and a human space. And that that's how they would see what was going on. That's the idea behind cosmology. And then we talked about cosmic temple, which I've talked about a lot here, so I don't need to go too much. But God's heart was on this planet to create this cosmic temple. That's what Eden is. And it would be a place where these realms met and connected, heaven and earth realms. God would be there, we would be there, uh, and we'll see just in a moment that the Elohim would be there as well, his spiritual family. We'll talk more about that. We would all be together. We'd hang out together. We'd enjoy one another. We'd enjoy God. That was the plan. So he creates this cosmic temple, and we watch that happening. In Genesis 1, uh, and then on the seventh day, the beginning of Genesis 2, I talked about that. It says God rested, and it doesn't mean that he's kicked his feet back. He rested on creation. His presence came, and he had what he said he was going to make. This cosmic temple, he was there, we were there, and everything was connected in a very, very cool way. We had things to do, and it's all going to be great. Because we were imagers. That was the third term. And I, when you think about being created in the image of God... I want you to think of it as a verb. It means we're God's representatives. He, he, he partners with us. He, he wants to be with us, to be in relationship with us. That's his heart. It's not a business thing. It's a love thing. And, and so we were created to represent him on the planet. That was the heart of God. And then I began to talk about the Elohim. And, uh, we, we did a pretty good introduction there, but I need to expand on it, um, because, uh, we may be set in the ways that we read already about Elohim. I said, oftentimes, Elohim is translated angels, and we tend to have a specific way to look at the angels. That's why I told you to spend some time thinking through that. When, when you, when you, if you wear out before Jesus comes back, you do not become an angel. That's in our culture. People think that they die and people become angels. That doesn't happen. We're, we're humans. They're angels. You, you actually have a better deal as a human. What you get as a believer is, at the end, what we know we get is resurrected bodies that are incorruptible. Really cool. Designed to dwell in God's space and, and our space. Awesome stuff. Anyway, um, so there's that. And, and then I also challenge you to go and look. And um, angels, for the most part, don't have wings. And people look at me like, every angel I ever seen got wings. Everyone I ever bought, wings. 
Seraphim and cherubim have wings. They're right around the throne, though, all the time. Johnny, please find him. Everywhere else in the Scripture, I hope you looked, angels appear in human form. So there's something to that. And I only say all that because I, I think we just need to shake up some of the ways that we've thought about everything when we talk about spiritual beings, spiritual battle. I think we've, we've sort of made it too small in scope. And we think, well, there's angels, those are the good guys. There's demons, those are the bad guys. There's one real bad guy, that's Satan. And we don't know what else is going on with powers, principalities, rulers. And what I want to say is, um, both uh, that's all part of it, but there's more to this Elohim than just angels and demons. And we, we sort of need to read back into the Scripture and find out that Elohim, these little G gods, are all over the place and still all over the place. And we need to be aware of that. That's where the battle lies. So Elohim is a word that's used in the Scripture. It's a Hebrew word, Elohim. Now, it can be used for God. This is where sometimes a confusion comes in, because we think, well, whenever we see Elohim, they must be talking about big G God. It can be big G God. In, in fact, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, that's the word Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Another problem we have is, uh, and I, I can't speak for everyone, how many of you here uh, are fluent in Hebrew? <laughs> this is a problem. You didn't see my hand go up either. I, I'm, I'm 62 now. I often think, oh, I wish I'd have learned Hebrew when I was younger, when maybe my brain would have done it. Now it's never going to happen. And I'm always impressed with people that are really like, well, they, can, they can read Hebrew and talk. Anyway. There are these tools, though, that, that you should have. Remember, I'm always encouraging you to read the Bible. Now I want you to, there's parts of this, and you need to sit down and read it. And there's a thing called an interlinear Bible. Ever heard of that? Interlinear Bibles are linked to the Hebrew and the Greek, right? New Testament, Greek, Old Testament, Hebrew. And we have great translations, don't get me wrong. The translations are fantastic but sometimes in they're not, depending on their bias, they, they give you some words maybe that they shouldn't have given you. And if you don't know what the word is, you might not know what's going on. So there's a tool. You're going to love this. I'm not telling you to buy an interlinear Bible. In fact, it's so much better on the computer and it's free. Bible.org. Everybody's going to remember that, right? On Bible.org, there's a thing called Net Bible. Click. <laughs> Net, once you get on Net Bible, you might just geek out all day <laughs> because it allows you to highlight verses and words and shows you what all the words are in the other languages and everywhere they happen and what it is so cool. So we have this word Elohim, and the thing is, it can mean big G God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and earth. The problem is, it can also be used of not God. Uh, even demons sometimes. And you go, what? Deuteronomy 32, 17. They sacrifice to false gods. That's not the word. Which are not God. That is the word Elohim. God's little G right there, that's Elohim. They had not known. Connection there with they, these can be demons. Gods that recently uh, appeared, gods your ancestors did not fear. And what I want you to sort of get the idea of is that the word Elohim refers to any inhabitant of the heavenly realm. Any being whose address is in the heavenly realms is an Elohim. God, however, is unlike all the other Elohim. God created, he is an Elohim, but he created all the other Elohim. No one else ever is like 
God. He is El Elohim. And oftentimes in Scripture, you'll read that to make sure that you don't miss who they're talking about, they'll put Yahweh in there, which we see as Lord. So they make sure that you get the picture. But you need to know that there are these beings, these little G-gods, that are very real. And we have this, I think what's happened, we've, we've sort of just mythologized them. I have to think about that word. Mythology, right? I'm just trying to add an ED to it. Mythologized. That sounds better, even if it's not right. So because we, we heard all these myths when we were growing up, we've just dismissed that as being just that. The problem is, these little G-gods exist. They are not God. They can't do everything that God does, but they exist and they haven't gone anywhere. And a lot of those mythological stories are popping up because of these little G-gods all everywhere. And you have to sort of give yourself some room to accept some of that going on. Those are the rulers, the powers, and principalities. I'll explain it as we go. Just trying to give you a heads up so you don't get bored. And uh, so they're in this story and we see them. And once you start looking for them in the scripture, they pop up everywhere. And you'll, you'll see them. And so, like, look, here's the thing. Um, Psalm 29, 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord Yahweh, you heavenly beings. There's this other group. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. Worship the Lord, big G God, in the splendor of his holiness. So, the Bible clearly sets God apart from all these other beings. I want to make sure that you hear that. There is no one like God, nothing, no one. But there are these little G gods. And sometimes in the scripture, we'll call them false gods, which is why I think we've dismissed them. They are false because they're not God, but it doesn't mean they don't exist. And so, or we were taught that they're all these idols and statues and they're not, little G gods are alive and active and evil and intelligent and deceptive. And, and you'll see that they're behind, like all of the mess in the world is this group of evil, Elohim, twisting the purposes of God because they don't like us. So, you got that happening. So he is unlike, he's their creator, he's their king, God, big G, God. Uh, And so we can go and look at the back half of the scripture reading, for who in the skies, heavenly realm, can compare with the big G God, Lord? Who is like the big G God among the heavenly beings? No one, it's rhetorical, right? No one is like him. But then this, in the council of the holy ones, who is that? God is greatly feared, honored, respected. He is more awesome than all who surround him. There's no one like God. Everybody's heard me make that point now half a dozen times with me because that's important. All right, so God has no equal. There's no one like God. But this council of the holy ones is a very real thing, and you're going to see it when you're looking for it pop up in Scripture. There's this council of these spiritual beings that hangs around God. And what is it? And why are they there? And so, again, now we, we introduce this like we, God has this spiritual family, the Elohim. And um, he, they partner with God. Again, he doesn't need partners. God is absolutely able to do everything by himself. He isn't needy. He is complete in and of himself. But God chooses, because this is God's heart, to have family, and the relationships of family, a spiritual family and a human family. And this spiritual family is often referred to as this council or this assembly or this court. And 
because we haven't always translated those words right, and because at some point um, people lost sight of what was going on, they will put the, instead of Elohim and saying it's these gods, little g gods, they'll go, oh, that's the rulers, like it's people that he's saying, and it's not. It's these little g gods that are hanging around. I love this. God, Elohim, presides in the great assembly, this big council. He renders judgment among the Elohim, plural, little g gods. So no one like God, but there's this council going on. There's this, this, group that surrounds him and is involved in what's going on. Now, the question might be, why does does God need help? God does not need help. God chooses to partner with lesser beings, to be in relationship with lesser beings, and to be with them in order to get things done. doesn't need them, but he works with them because that's the heart of God. Now, now that you you may be seeing that, some of you may be for the first time, let's, let's look at a story where this council is involved in some decision-making, and I, I think it's a great story. I need a sip of coffee to go there. Is it 10.30 already? I'm not even close. Five minutes. <clears throat> I must have got wound up. All right. I want you to read this story this week. I am going to talk about it. First Kings chapter 22. Great story. And uh, let me set it up for you real quick, as quick as I can. So in this time in Israel's history, the kingdom is divided into a northern and southern kingdom. So you have the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Ten tribes in in the the northern kingdom, two tribe and a half in the southern kingdom. And uh, two kings at this point in time, uh, they have King Ahab, who is an evil king. He's the king of Israel. Israel always had evil kings. Judah sometimes had some pretty decent kings, but not always. So Ahab, he's the worst, Ahab. He is... And uh, oftentimes these two kingdoms of Israel are fighting with one another, but right now they're at peace. And the king of the southern kingdom, the little kingdom, is Jehoshaphat. I love that name. I just like to say it. I say it wrong a lot, but Jehoshaphat, never mind. Anyway, he's a king. Jehoshaphat goes and visits Ahab. Hey, how's things going? What's happening? And uh, Ahab has wanted to go and conquer this place, Ramoth-Gilead, which belongs to Israel, and uh, he can't do it alone. So he sees this as an opportunity. So he says to hey, Jehoshaphat, hey, cool, let's partner up. And why don't we go and combine our forces and go take back Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said, well, good, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to help. But let's, uh, let's find out how that's going to go. You got any prophets? And uh, Ahab, yeah, yeah, I got tons of prophets. And so they bring in some prophets. And all of the prophets come around. And they say, you know, how's this going to go? And the, the prophets all go, go for it. You're going to win, right? Jehoshaphat's like, hmm, I don't, I'm not sure that I really trust these guys. You got any other prophets? And Ahab goes, there is one other prophet, uh, but I hate, he actually says, I hate him. His name's Micaiah, and I hate him because he's, he's never says anything good to me. And Jehoshaphat, well, we should talk to that guy. And so they send for Micaiah. He comes on the scene, and uh, they tell him what's going on. And he, first thing he says is, yeah, go. It's going to be great. And Ahab looks at him and says, how many times have I told you to tell the truth to me? I don't care what it is. Because Micaiah knows he's not going to like it. And then Micaiah begins to tell him the truth of what's going on. And so this is what's going to happen. Micaiah continued, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven sitting around him on his right and on his left. There's this heavenly council, this this count around him, all right? 
And the Lord, big G God, said, who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? Now, that's the will of God. Because and you go, well, that seems a little mean. Ahab is more evil than you can even begin to imagine. It's time for him. He's not. He's ruining everybody's life. And, and the will of God is to get him out of there. Uh, and, but love this part. So one of this heavenly council suggested this, and another suggests that. Finally, a spirit, but it's one of this heavenly council, came forward, stood before the Lord, said, I will entice him. By what means, the Lord asked, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. He said, you will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord, go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. That's what Micaiah tells them is really going on. He said, hey, there was this council, and uh, Ahab, your days are numbered. You're done. And all these guys lied to you because that was the way that this plan was worked up. And none of them are happy with this result. But it's true, and it is what happened. Both kings die in the battle. They shouldn't have gone. But what I want you to see in that story is that what the heavenly beings are doing is exercising their free will. They're, they're speaking into the situation. God has a place he wants to go, but he's letting the people, the beings that he partners with, speak into it on the journey. That's so important that you get that. Sometimes we think that, that because there's an end point, which there is for us, Revelation 21, 22, and all the cool things are going to happen, that there's only one way to get there. But what you need to know is God doesn't need to micromanage this period of time to get there. God's bigger than that. We had have to micromanage it to get to a result. God doesn't. And he partners, he cooperates with us. He wants us to speak into things and to be part. That's why we're told to pray. I have people ask me, why should I pray? God's will is done, isn't it all the time? No, it's not. He wants us involved in the process. Prayer is a big part of what we do, but you need to see it happening with what was going on in the divine council? They have opportunities to speak into what's going to happen, and, and God said, go, make that happen. That's a good plan. That leads us to why there's evil in the world, and I'm only going to give you a couple of minutes of this because I don't want to go too long, but that's a huge question, right? I have people ask me all the time, well, why is there, if God is good, if, how can a good God allow this mess? How can a good God have, how can there be this suffering? How can, and here's the thing, you need to get about God. See, God desired family. He didn't have to have family. He's not needy. It's the heart of God. He, he wants to be with people and with these spiritual beings and be together. It's, it's how he wants to do things. And, and, and he wants to be in relationship with beings like him. Not, not him, but like him. And so he gives us his qualities, his attributes. He gives us really cool things uh, to be. And he gives us free will, the ability to make choices, which is where all the problems come in. You say, well, why does he do that? Because God didn't make any pre-programmed robots. If you don't have a viable choice to make, then you can never really love and obey God because you wouldn't have an option. It wouldn't be real. And that's not what God wants. He wants people, beings that choose to be in relationship with him and follow and love him. And unfortunately, some of them and all of us would choose to go our own way, which is the source of evil. Is God evil? Absolutely not. But it's come because he's given us this ability to make choices, and we have used these amazingly good gifts and attributes of God to go after wrong things. And that's what the problem has been. That's where the battle comes from. Let me say you this, that God, God wasn't taken by surprise when he did this. 
God made a plan for this from the very beginning. He knew that we would take these things and go in the wrong direction. Now, people would say right there, well, then he shouldn't have done it. And I think you have to press through that because the heart of God is to have these relationships with us. And, and, and he's grieved by the suffering in the world. We'll read about it. He, he's grie- it breaks God's heart that his creation has chosen to go in these directions. But even before the creation of the world, he put a salvation plan in place. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his love. Before all of this happened, God knew, and he knew that he would have to come and deal with it. He was going to have to become a person, take on flesh, and pay for this meth. But he was willing to do it, which is also why he could do it. Give them the opportunity to make choices, knowing that ultimately he would come and pay for all of the sin and all the mess and everything, and then defeat it and make a way back to him. Think about those things this week. Next week, we're going to pop in and we're going to talk about the fall and what happens at the fall. Why, why does this go on? Here's a quick inside story. Remember last week I said God created this human family and it said that the Elohim rejoiced? Most of them. One of them, for sure doesn't like the idea of a human family. And at the fall, he's going to try and get us stopped. And that's the start of the battle. Read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 before next week, please. I'm sorry, I'm almost done, but I had another cool thing to say. Genesis 1, 2, and 3, read that. And then I had this thought about the pastor who said to his church, a Bible study, next week before you come back, I want you to read Mark chapter 17. And they said, okay. And they all came back next week. And he said, how many of you read Mark chapter 17? The whole group reads their hand. And he goes, there is no Mark chapter 17. (laughs) There is a Genesis 1, 2, and 3, though. Read it. Ministry team, on you head over there. (laughs) Ah, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. And listen, quickly, none of this makes any sense without Jesus. Jesus comes, fully God, fully man. He arrives on the scene, lives the life that we couldn't, and then defeats sin and death at the cross and resurrection and makes a way for us to be reconciled to God. Our part in all of that is to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's the beginning of everything in your life, making that connection. Then Holy Spirit comes and fills you and begins to teach and lead and guide. If you've never prayed a simple prayer that makes that connection, please do it today. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That's the prayer. Jesus... Will you be my Lord and my Savior? Amen. Just a couple things really quick. First of all, I I felt like um, the Lord showed me someone that's really struggling in life, and you feel like you're just trudging, and you're uninspired, and you're not, you know, there's not a whole lot of joy. You're just trudging your way through it. And I felt like... The Lord wanted you to hear today about that connection with him that Steve talked about and how that connection brings life. It brings all kinds of life. And then then I I saw a campfire and there was just embers burning and Jesus held his hair back. (laughs) Sorry, this is how he speaks to me. And he bent down and he blew on the embers. And that's what he wants to do with you in your connection with him. And I know Alicia has something really good too. (laughs) And that's really neat because um, it 
it coincides with the vision that I got during worship. I was praying for a fresh touch of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and for his fire to touch us all and that we could go out and touch. And um, I saw us walking through a garden, and as we touched things, these flowers popped up. They were beautiful. They just popped up and started blooming. And I just felt like this was the Lord encouraging us that um, as you walk out your new life in Christ, don't underestimate the authority that you're given in Christ to touch others' lives and lead them to that new life in Christ too. Don't, no matter where you are in your walk, don't underestimate the power that you have to touch lives and make fresh things bloom because the Lord is making all things new. Thank you, honey. Amen. So if you need prayer for anything, it's over there. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness to give, tithe, offering, all those cool things that you do. We love partnering with you. Let's sing the doxology. And we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.